Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. It's so nice to have you all back here. It's the full gang, Alex, Ryan, Nathan, and Sam. Uh, and we're just basking in the joy of just another win over Texas. And it's, oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so preferable to the alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody tell me how they felt after the game. Alex can go first because he seemed to be the most positive. <laughs> so, I mean, the way I felt was, like, I was at the game. So, I mean, first of all, I felt, oh, crap, I'm really sunburned, which has sucked. But um, I was just overjoyed by the win because getting to walk out and see how miserable Texas fans are when you win against them is one of the best feelings that I've ever that you can get at a sporting event, um, in my view. Um, so that was great. But also just the idea that we utterly dominated that game in pretty much every facet. And the only reason why it wasn't really a blowout is because our red zone offense wasn't very good. And I don't think of that as something that's a long-term problem. So mm-hmm. I just I was like, if we played this game again, we would win by more. I have zero doubt in my mind. So like that was what was really cool to me, and what made me super excited about it was because we didn't just beat Texas; we pretty much outclassed them in every way, and we did it, you know, on defense with a performance that I don't think any of us really saw coming. Like I, I expected to play okay. But I thought that there would be times during the day where I was like, oh, crap, this is kind of the old defense that we saw the last couple of years. But I don't think there was really any point during the day when I was like, oh, yeah, this is the old defense. Like there were a couple plays given up, but like every defense in the country essentially gives up some big plays, especially to an offense that was that's rated as highly as Texas. Yeah, right. yeah I, I remember Roshan Johnson having two explosives all day and like that was the whole team. Like, Duvernay was bottled up all game. Colin yeah. Johnson never really had any big plays like he normally does. Yeah, John, and the big – Rashawn Johnson's big run was really because of a missed tackle. Like, right. you know, just missed a tackle, yeah. and that's what happens. It was like the first missed tackle all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you just – you look at what this team did on defense. Like, how many players on the defense had the best game of their career uh, on Saturday? Yeah, Parnell Motley and Buki both made the Pro Football Focus All Big Twelve team, and we had a bunch of guys like Marquise Overton was uh, on like the second team, and they're just guys were playing out of their mind. I mean, Kenneth Murray was what he's been all year. It was I couldn't great. believe that he brought down Colin Johnson. Like uh, that was like the first drive, he was able to like just make a flying one-handed like collar tackle. Yeah. I think that was on D. Renee, but yeah, he, he basically yeah. got him right, right underneath, okay. the face, but, yeah. underneath the underneath the chin strap. Um, I thought, like, I mean, the easy, the two easy guys that are easy to just uh, highlight immediately would be Neville and Kenneth. But I thought under kind of underrated, at least from maybe a general fan perspective, the safety group, including Buki yeah. at nickel. Yeah. So Pat Fields, uh, Delarian Turner, Yell, and Buki, all probably all three had their best games. Probably of the well, certainly of the first two's careers, and probably of the season uh, for all of them. I mean, Buki's right. didn't Buki didn't fill up the stat sheet, but if you look, watch those highlights, and if you look back, 
so many times Ellinger was looking at his first read and it wasn't there because Buki was taking it away in the flat and right. he had to work to his second read and then the sack got to him. So I don't know. I was, just, it was, from a month ago, whenever we were kind of cringing and wondering if they were going to be a, a weakness of this team, to see the growth they've made in those few weeks, man, it's, it's just really exciting. Yeah. I just want to, I want to take a moment to just highlight what you just said in that you said that Sam Ellinger over and over his first read was in the flat. I just want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, like, shocking that is, stuff, right? No, absolutely. Like, the the safety group, um, Pat Fields and Larry Turner yell and Buki. I especially noticed this with Buki, just completely shut down the screen game and the swing yeah. pass game for Texas. They reacted just immediately, just the instant there was pre step motion or like uh, like a pre step numbers. Like it was just really satisfying to see an OU defense that not only like was like playing to like the caliber of athlete that they were, but also just like look prepared <laughs> and not just prepared, just like thoroughly prepared. Even like Justin Broyles was blowing up a few of those swing passes, yeah, bubble right. screens, like every single guy in the secondary was prepared. And that's what we talked about, like going into this. If you can blow up a couple plays on first and second down and get them in like third and 10, you can't just throw for six yards to Duvernay over the middle and pick that up. It's like right. all it took was blowing those up here and there. And all of a sudden they're in a spot where Ellinger just can't throw to the flat. And it, it was over for them once he got in the passing down. Well, what that, I mean, pretty much from the first possession of the game, whenever I saw Buki just sprint to the flats as soon as he saw Duvernay in motion, mm-hmm. I immediately was like, yeah, Alex Grinch isn't going to let us get beat by doing by Texas doing their bread and butter. Well, like, it, was, it was 100% film study. I mean, he obviously yeah. immediately recognized it and said, oh, no, I know exactly what this is happening. And there's actually a time in the game where Buki – he doesn't get the pick, but he basically alters the throw, and he, and he kind of yeah. lands, and he looks around, and he's like, man, I was so close, and he, like, waves a finger at Elliger, like, I saw what you were trying to do there, and, like, I, I was on to you sort of thing, and I was like, that was kind of indicative of how the whole game was going, because right. it seemed like that they were taking that first throw away, those little, you know, short intermediate passes, which is basically all he can do, or just, besides just jacking it up, you know, 50 yards downfield and hoping, um, it was just... I don't know. Alex kind of hit the nail on the head earlier. It's just like, I thought they would play decent, but I did not expect them to play how they played. It was, it just kind right. of, it really, really surprised me in a, obviously a good way. Right. Well, there, was, there, oh, go ahead. It was the first time that we've made Sam Ellinger look like the scrub that he is. Like he's a guy <laughs> that is extremely limited at, as a passer and we've never made it hard on him. We've always let him do everything that he's comfortable doing, and it hasn't worked. And, like, just that first play, when I see Buki sprinting out there, I'm like, oh, Sam Ellinger's going to have to make some big boy passes to actually beat us today, and I and he can't do it. So I, I, I knew we were – I mean, I, I wasn't really worried about the game going in. I felt pretty confident. But as soon as that – Your score attest to that. Yeah, right. But as soon as like I saw Buki sprinting out to shut down that first bubble screen, I was like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna beat the crap out of them," and we did. Right. Yeah, so if, if I told you Sam Ellinger before the game, I told you he was sixteen of twenty 
on passing downs, wouldn't you be worried? You're like, dang, he was like on fire. He he completed those for 120 yards. Like you can't complete six yards per attempt on passing downs when you're that far from the chains. And so that's mm-hmm. the guy. He just sucks, man. He sucks. I don't understand <laughs> why he had so much Heisman hype coming into this. The dude sucks. Right. Uh, well, you, the, I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, they finally were able to put together like some like short, medium range passing success when they finally were just like. All right. The only thing that's going to work is if we throw slants to Colin Johnson, <laughs> right? But like, um, well, but like, you can't do that. That that can't be your entire offense because like that's probably the easiest thing to scheme your way out of having to deal with. And like, so yeah, no, the defense looked prepared. They looked competent. They looked on the front foot the entire game, and it, in so many aspects, like you like. When Ellinger scrambles, like you just noticed, like the pursuits. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God! The, can uh, we talk about Kenneth Murray's like the oh man the one rollout that Ellinger had, and he yeah. like he just like a missile coming across the field, like his closing speed. Mm-hmm. I remember this is going to harken back to two years ago, but I remember kind of whenever OU was playing Ohio State, and he had a similar kind of play against JT Barrett. And we're like, oh, man, like we're, this is another kind of level of athlete that we have here. But it kind of disappeared because he's just he was passive and he was just in a bad fit for what his athleticism was. But in this scheme, they're just asking him to, you know, play downhill and run to the ball. And I mean, I'm not I can't remember, honestly, maybe since probably Teddy Lehman's the probably the last middle linebacker that we've had that was, you know, in the ballpark of that fast. You know, it's. It's just another level of speed that we haven't really had in a long time there. And what I'll say, too, with that is that it's not just him with that kind of speed. Like, we have multiple linebackers that, I mean, maybe not Asamoah quite. Asamoah is fast. also, yeah. Asamoah is so really fast. fast. Yeah. Deshaun that, White, probably mm-hmm. not as fast, but he's not slow by any means. Like, he is a very athletic no. guy. Right. Like, there, there are good athletes all over that front seven. And, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like, really, if you think about how just not even bad we looked last year, but just so we looked so, you know, just no havoc being made. Like, there was just, right. it, like they were doing nothing. Like, it was yeah. their job, nothing. And just to go from that to see them pretty much every play making an impact on the game. Just mm-hmm. in one, you know, less than a year. Like, it, it's pretty incredible to watch. Well, yeah. I mean, Go I was ahead. at the game last year, and it was just a completely different experience to watching this one. You know, it was like, I mean, we all remember. It was basically just, you know, we had no trust in anything. And just watching Texas march down the field to kick that field goal, and there was just no resistance, basically, after right. the offense had worked so hard to get them back in that game is i don't know it's it's an amazing um improvement i did i didn't expect it to you know to happen this quickly honestly i mean the rest of number 30 and smp or sp plus now i mean <laughs> and and the the offenses that are remaining on the schedule like who really scares you as far as teams that really could put a ton of points on ou osu maybe it's really um, only them yeah honestly. so it's not you know, crazy to think that they could 
re- remain around 30 for the, on the season. Like, who would have expected? Like, we were talking before the season, oh, maybe they'll crack 60, and that would be, like, a huge improvement, you know, and, and that would have been. But 30? Like, Jesus, I, I don't know. It's just incredible to think about. Um, and, I mean, that makes them a legitimate national title contender because we talked about it earlier. The offense is... I'm not worried about the offense having red, red zone woes as a long-term thing. I think Jalen tried to force a few, a few too many things. And honestly, part of that might be because he didn't, he still had maybe truly learned to trust that defense. And that might be something that we could take away from this game is maybe he won't feel compelled to throw across his body and try to make every play now because he had, he's seen that, you know, they can rely on the defense and, you know, those types of situations sometimes. So, right. Um, yeah, it it I think the I think the main takeaway I had was we to go all the way back to what how kind of how we started the show was um uh, you know, it's elation of being able to defeat Texas and you know, stick it to Tom Herman and Ellinger and all that all that goes with that. I don't have to see Ian Boyd tweeting stupid shit on Twitter. I and but also the the level of domination, yeah, there's some frustration. Man, this could have been a 48 to 20 game if those, you know, a few things hadn't happened the way they happened. But if what I really took away from the game was, man, this is a team that I really think could potentially win the title because now I'm seeing the level of balance that just hasn't been there in the past few years. We've had amazing offenses, but just dreadful on the other side of the ball. Now we're seeing it kind of elevate on that side, so. That's my long-winded uh, response of, it's just really exciting. Yeah. Well, I guess my my last point really, um, the I think this result might actually wind up helping us in the end because if you blow the doors off of Texas, you know you're playing them. If you have I, the chances of us playing them in the Big Twelve title game are relatively high. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baylor's a possibility. You know, there's a lot of teams that are in it. Baylor and Iowa State, probably the two biggest. Yeah. But if I was betting right now, I would bet on Texas to be the team to make it back. And, you know, the fact that, you know, we're going to go into that game having probably not beat them by as much as we should, I feel like the motivation will be higher than it would have been if we just beat the shit out of them. Yeah. You know, like it, it. be kind of tough to get up for somebody when you've already beat the shit out of them during the year. The example I always think of is, is a basketball example, but like the 20, I think 2016 final four with OU versus Villanova, like mm-hmm. Villanova beat the shit out of OU. And it was kind of fluky. They hit a ridiculous amount of shots, but I remember guys on the basketball team talking about how they weren't that worried because they had already beat Villanova by almost 20 points earlier that year. Yeah, in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were more disappointed that they didn't get to play Kansas than they got to play Villanova because they'd already beat the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, having this deal where you beat them, you were clearly better, but you still didn't do exactly what you should have done. I think mm-hmm. that adds another layer of motivation for that next game if it happens. Yeah. I will s- at the end of the game, I was sort of, I, w- I don't know, I was, em- emotionally I was in a weird place because obviously I, like, I was immensely happy with the job the defense did. And I wasn't like, ugh, the offense sucks. But I was, like, kind of frustrated with the, uh, with the fact that, like, this could have been, like, a legendary 
OU Texas beatdown, and it just wasn't. Um, and part of that, I don't know, I didn't love the play calling at times, um, but that got better by the fourth quarter. Honestly, the biggest thing for the play calling with me is I don't think we handed the ball off enough to the running backs. I think we just were putting too much on Jalen, especially in the red zone. Um, but that's not going to be a long-term issue. And like what we were seeing by the end of the game was like exactly what I was hoping to see all game. So Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, to me, nothing but positives to take from this. Yeah. My only issue again, like Nathan said, is the fact that we didn't blow them out like we should have. And really my only issue with that is because I bet on the spread. So (laughs) I mean, other than that, I don't care. But it's very frustrating when you're like, we should be, we I think uh, Bill Conley's, advanced box score he doesn't put the expected win margin anymore but in his tweet he we we had four more scoring opportunities than they did which equates to an 18 point win and so we had negative nine points of bad turnover luck and so this should have been anywhere from you know 17 to a 20 point win like an absolutely thorough beating but like alex said there are positives to take from it that old cliche of you know the team that gets blown out knows everything they need to work on. The team that blows them out, you know, thinks they were perfect. Uh, it's kind of like when we played TCU uh, in the Big 12 championship. Like, we weren't necessarily close to them the first time we played, but we also didn't have to show anything. We had, we definitely didn't play perfect, and then we just came to the Big 12 championship and lit them up even worse. So right. I'm still, if we play them again, I am not worried at all. It's it's nothing but positives from this one. Yeah. And if you look at what this this means going forward for the rest of the season, like the significance of this winning this game is is pretty massive because this is the first time OU's gotten out of Dallas undefeated since 2011. It's, it's incredible like, to think about. Yeah, the success like, the last several years that has yeah happened. we had I, none of our playoff runs included us getting out of Dallas undefeated, which is it's just unbelievable. And two of those were because we lost to Texas, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's a really huge win from just that standpoint because it's all here. Like, we should go undefeated. This was our yeah. big Like, we should be undefeated going in when we go back to Dallas for the Big 12 title, um, probably to play Texas. Like, no one on this schedule is, is even really close to us from a talent standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas is the only team on our entire schedule that has the talent that OU has. And we just cleared that hurdle pretty easily. So, yeah, it's it's exciting what this well, can mean for And can we talk about, you know, I, I feel like this team has a – the last several years, every November we kind of hit like this second gear. And they, we see like a big uh, leap in how much better they get throughout the year. At, at this point, I feel like that's a pretty repeatable pattern. I feel confident that, you know, a lot, a lot of times you watch teams throughout the year and they don't get any better. The last several years I've seen OU get better each throughout the season each year. Mm-hmm. I feel like this team has an even higher ceiling than we've had because if you look at it, Jalen, new, new to the offense, new to his receivers, he's still getting comfortable as he goes. Offensive line still has yet to string two straight weeks with all starters uh, the same. They haven't had a, a you know a through line of the same starters week to week throughout the mm-hmm. season yet. So if they can build that continuity, they're just going to keep getting better. Also, shout out to Adrian Ely and Eric Swinson for getting through it on text on Saturday because 
I mean, I think that was a huge unsung part of the game was the way they right. played um, and the way the offensive line played. There were people coming into the game that were saying Texas's offensive line was better than OU's. I mean, we saw how that went. Um, right. But and then the defense, you know, continued to becoming more and more confident in Grinch, more confident in what they're doing. Um, the secondary, you know, continued to get better. I mean, I just feel like this team has a whole, even compared to the last few years, can get a lot better, just as a as they well, work together. So. And- not, we're not being drugged down by an anchor of a unit. Like I mean, no, just, right. Like, having, and that has that has to help with team morale as well. So, right. right. Our offense doesn't have to be perfect. They're probably right. get pretty close to that, and that's <laughs> probably scary for right. other people, you know. But like, yeah, they can have quarters. Like I remember last year in Bedlam, we had that third quarter where our offense yeah. really couldn't do anything. Like they were just off for a quarter. And OSU got the lead, and it looked like, oh, shit, we might actually lose this football game. Right. Like, see that being an issue anymore. Like, our defense is going to be able to help out our offense enough to well, where it's just not going to be a problem. And yeah. think about the – I'm sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was just going to say, like, like you look at where the offense is in S&P Plus, and, like, you, you know, we talk about, like, Jalen being able to play within himself. Like, just the whole offense, like, this year is going to be able to just – play within itself and mm-hmm. merely be the best in the country. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be enough. <laughs> like, I mean, look at the personnel at skill positions on the offense. It's ridiculous. They have three legitimate running backs. Trey Sermon didn't even have a carry on Saturday. Right. Uh, CD's probably the best wide receiver in the country. If not, he's like a top three wide receiver in the country. Right. We, we got to talk about CD at least. Grant yeah, Calcaterra didn't even have a didn't, was out, and that didn't seem to matter. Uh, I mean, God, there was just so many names. Uh, in, in the right. offensive line, like we said, will continue to gel. They're the best line coach in the country. I mean, it's just it's just amazing, and it's gonna it's gonna take a monumental effort on the on the shoulders of Iowa State or somebody to just have the game of their lives and then oh you have, will have to just be really really off one weekend I think because I just don't really see a team that unless something really strange happens like South Carolina beating Georgia it's possible um, yeah. to yeah, knock bar- this team off barring a Jalen Hurts injury you're probably yeah you're yeah. right um you know and that just depends on how long it takes to put Spencer Rattler out there. So. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, speaking of injuries, um, I don't know. Is anybody else starting to sort of question Texas's strength and conditioning? Oh God, don't no, get me off on this. So <laughs> here, I have here's my deal with with Texas, and specifically as it relates to their defense and their secondary. Um, those guys do not play safe football. Right. So. It makes 100% sense why they're all hurt. Like, just if you watch their defensive players, they're literally, they're constantly just diving headfirst into things. Like, it's just, that's what they do. That's terrible for your shoulders. Like, you're going to get concussions that way. Like, BJ Foster hurt his shoulder earlier in the early in the game and yeah, right. had problems all year. Anthony Cook laid a huge hit on a guy, but he almost killed himself doing it. Yeah. Like, Amazingly, he didn't like not... wreck Kennedy Brooks' knee either. Yeah, like, he hit like right on the knee. I cannot believe that he hit Kennedy Brooks in the knee and like 
like that that was the thing as he went at his knees and came yeah. away the one who was hurt. Shout out to Kendy Brooks's right. knees, by the way. They right. are yeah, taking an absolute beating <laughs> lately. And that's that's also, you know, the terrible playing of football from the Texas defense. That's how also how you end up absolutely whiffing on the guy that you said should slide. Mm. Yeah. When you right. tackle with your eyes facing the grass and you're trying to get your shoulder as low as possible. Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't just. There were two guys on the play that did the exact same thing. Like, mm, right. it's just. It's not fundamental good football. Like, it just isn't. I do. And, I do. Like, well, go ahead. I just wanted to say I do want to go back to the, to the comment about, Texas's strength and conditioning because there is so much uh, junk talk whenever OU hired Benny Wiley, mm-hmm. by Texas fans. Um, Basically, because they thought he was terrible, because he was there the last uh, couple years. Mac was, which, by the way, they almost—they were a game away from winning the conference. Max last year, FYI. Yeah. Um, and they just thought he was terrible for some reason, and now they're all hurt. And I've yet to—I don't—I'm not sure I've seen it a single OU player through six games like lying on the field injured yet. Like, yeah. yeah. It is an obvious, you know, advantage to OU what Benny Wiley's doing compared to Yancey or whatever their strength coach name. I'm pretty sure it's Yancey, which is, yeah. you know, just great. So anyway, that's, that's my quick note. Yeah. Also, Todd Orlando has a huge head. I just don't get <laughs> yes. it. It's so big. How? <laughs> yeah. What's, what's happened. Why is Texas not better at defense? I don't think we've we've talked about like they just they haven't been that good the last two years really. Right. Like last year they were very very aggressively average. Yeah, and I was very annoyed by how much like media buzz they got about being like a good defense whenever they were like you said aggressively average. Yeah, and this year they are aggressively below average, and they are pretty much a worse defense than OU in every way. So they've they've gotten worse each year that he has been that Herman's been there and Orlando has been here their first year. They're actually pretty good. And then yeah, last and year they, they dropped after, to like the sixties yeah. and then this year they're like nineties or something like that. Hundreds. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what's going With on. Absolutely. No excuses to, because like the talent is there. It's getting better each right. year. So I'm not sure what's right. Well, we, we want to talk. What was it? Two years ago, their DB class. Yeah. The D, yeah. same DBs that are like ranked 126th or something in the country. Uh, right. that, that's the same DB and it class. Was like that the, was like it the was best like ever. the best DB class ever. Yeah. Right. Um, and now the like Jay all Foster hurt, and Deshaun but... Jameson and Anthony Cook and all those guys. Yep. Yeah. I say all of them are hurt. Three DBs are hurt, and apparently it is just the end of the world for their secondary. Well, mm-hmm. whenever you play six DBs all the time, right? <laughs> yep. Tends yeah, to and I I think that. I think Lincoln too. Like if I think he's figured out some stuff. Like he's played against Todd Orlando enough that he's figured out how to handle it. Because you know Lincoln's gotten some criticism for for the play calling, and you know to a certain extent, I think I agree, especially in the red zone. Like I think we probably could have yeah. leaned him a little bit, but we moved the damn ball up and down the field pretty oh, much yeah. all day. Like there oh, were a yeah. couple sessions in the third where we didn't, but. Overall, it was a really, really well called game and mm-hmm. kept Todd Orlando on his toe or on his heels. And I think Lincoln's getting more comfortable because you know Texas. You know, I don't this. Their defense kind of reminds me of Iowa State in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, 
they they do like the two high safeties, like just super way back there, and they play the tight front up front to like try to control the gaps. And it seems like we're we're figuring that out, which makes me more optimistic for when we play Iowa State because right. I mean Iowa State's a better coach defense and they're better than Texas is, but at the same time they're not as talented, you know. Right. Though. So, yeah. I. I. Again. Yeah. I think. Like you hit the nail on the head with the talent part. Iowa State to me, it's more can you wear them wear them down, and I think that's one of the positives with Jalen is the run threat is so heavy that we can just continuously hit them. Yeah. Um, and then mm-hmm. those, the plethora of defensive backs that they have, they just kind of get run down. And we saw that against Texas. Uh, we started really running well in the second half. And speaking of, and now I'm just kind of um, resorting to anecdotes, but one of my favorite plays of the day was on Jalen's last touchdown. If y'all Whenever you're watching highlights, go back and watch Marquise Hayes on that play because he drives his man into the dirt at least two full seconds after the play is just completely over. Then he goes through the end, back of the end zone, the guy he's blocking, and it's and then he gets up and just flexes over him. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I. Yeah. I, mean, I just. I just can't see. I mean, Iowa State's defense is there's a lot of talk about how schematically it's maybe like the best way to defend in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. But like, you just can't be like, if you're going to just plan on rushing three and dropping eight, like, we'll just lean on you. Like, uh, well, well that's. Go ahead. Okay. So, like, I mean, you have to just put into context the last two times we've played Iowa State, we've had massive running back problems. Right. That's a great point. Problems both times. Like last year, early in the year, our offensive line hadn't meshed. We still didn't know who the starting center was. Yeah, that's true. We we lost Rodney, I think, the week before. And two years ago, like, we lost our best receiver and our best running back at the time. Like, yeah, we had issues against that defense, but we had some pretty key injuries. This year, if we're healthy, I don't see them doing anything. Because also – if your your goal is to control gaps with basically they want to do it with fewer players so that they can drop more into coverage and control the air. But if you're going against a team who has a quarterback that runs like a running back, that mm-hmm. team has an extra blocker to take on your defense. So they're going to have right. even bigger advantage running the ball. So it's it's probably actually a terrible way to try to defend Oklahoma, if right. we're being completely honest, or at least this version of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm a big fan of John Heacock, but uh, which is the Iowa State defensive coordinator. He's the guy that I kind of wanted to know you to look at. If I mean, he was on my short list with Grinch and a few others. But I mean, like you like you said, it, this is almost this is kind of the power run ver- variation of Oklahoma, and I think we're really going to start seeing that in the next few weeks as we see the offensive line begin to gel as teams start to get. You know, later in the season, they're starting to get worn down. I just think that's going to continue. That's going to start to get ratcheted up. And we have three running backs that I think we're all really confident in that we could put in. And then we have, you know, a fourth and a fifth guy that are also pretty good, too. So I, I just I think we're going to see that as the season unfolds. And like like Alex said, that it's just not a that 
you know, drop eight guys into coverage consistently method. I, I just don't know if that's the way to go about it. I, and honestly, I think Texas has the best personnel on, on the defensive line because they have a massive nose guard. But Keandre Coburn didn't hardly do anything because he's going up against the best center in the country. So right. it's, they're kind of damned any way they look at it. Right. And it's like, you like, I don't. Jalen, the few times he has looked um, like his flaws as a passer have shown up has been Mm -hmm. in situations in which there's been an overload of pressure. Um, When he has time in the pocket, he is, like, astonishing. Um, And also, like, if he has time in the pocket and nothing's there, like, that is probably when he is most dangerous as a runner. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, like... It's it's just... It's really hard to construct a way for anyone in this conference left on our schedule to beat us. Yeah, like I it, think it, it really is. Bar, it would just literally, it would take everything would have to go wrong for us, and everything would have to go right for the other team. Like it just, yeah. it's such a ridiculous amount of things. Like I, I'm tell, I'm calling it right now. We're gonna go undefeated. We're gonna be thirteen and zero going to the playoff. I'm t- I'm calling yeah. that right. Like, right. last year, you make two early mistakes, and then all of a sudden you're in a dogfight with a bad Texas yep. Tech team. Now yep. you can make two early mistakes. And we had talked about Jalen has made risky plays this year before and then did it again, mm-hmm. and it did hurt us, and we were still completely fine against a top 15 team, top yeah, 20 right. at least. What, and we, a top 15, it was like, 10 offense. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was like four, was it like four or five possessions in a row we came away with no points? Yeah. Was, yeah. Right, and this is against going up against a team that coming into this game was the fourth-ranked offense in S and P Plus. Wow! Uh, yeah. And I don't even know if they, I knew they were that high. That's impressive. Yeah. We held that. We held them to just nothing. Yeah, uh, in the first half they had three points, and granted, that's helped out by you know starting field position of the seven-yard line, the ten-yard line, which are from turnovers, and then a good uh, actually a bad punt to put them at the 34 but oh then they had God. a holding on that to start at the 24 uh, Reeves. and then um they had a bad kickoff return and started at the 21 to end the half so, like they had terrible field position all night and that's or i guess all morning slash afternoon <laughs> and like that's with this defense that is all you need really yeah i mean the, it was about as that worst case scenario of an offensive first half, just as far as the turnovers went, and it, it, and we were still able to pull ourselves out of it. I mean, I don't foresee that happening often, or no. even maybe again, because I just don't. I think all of the problems that they had are, you know, fixable things. You know, keep the ball five points of pressure. Um, don't throw across your body in the red zone. Things right. like that, things that are easy to fix, they're correctable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably trust the run game just a little bit more. Right? Yeah, like it was there all day. I right. yeah. will probably fix. Like probably, I mean, this time last year was really when our offensive line started to mesh, and mm-hmm. it yeah. that could be the case again this year. Like we have this offense that we've had so far has been largely. I mean, we haven't had the same offensive line two games in a row, nope. and they haven't meshed well even when, you know, like we had guys like, so it, this was the first time that I felt really good about what the offensive line was doing. And 
we've been this good up to this point. Like we're going to get better. Like Absolutely. that's just insane. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm really excited. I just want to watch us take care of business. Um, you don't want to see a letdown, you know, sort yeah. of situation this weekend. You want to see them continue to build on it. We right. need to hold West Virginia to like 10 points. Like we shouldn't give up very many points. to right. them. If we it's Jack throw- Allison out there. Yeah. Like, they can't score more. Than, yeah, that's the only thing. I think touchdowns. I think they might luck into ten points just like because they will get so many chances at it. Mm-hmm. But that's I think fair. ten is like their ceiling. But they're, they're okay. I don't know if y'all have it, like paid much attention to West Virginia this year, but they are decimated on it by injuries. They've had and they were bad before that. Yeah, they've had so many guys transfer <laughs> out, enter you know enter the transfer portal, they're out for the year. It's amazing. They are starting, you know, like 20 guys that weren't not expected starters, but just a, a huge number of guys. I can't remember what the stat was. I, I just remember reading it on their art, an article earlier today and just kind of blinking a lot. You know, is they are decimated. So there are going to be a lot of true freshmen out there, first off. They have a few good players, like the Sills brothers are pretty good, but... I don't know if 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 it's Jack Allison. I, I'm just not. I I don't foresee a situation unless he just hits some miracle throws, like the guy at Kansas. You know, just perfect throws that you don't see coming, of them scoring more than 14 or so. Yeah, and it's a, and it's a reputable offensive staff. I mean, Neil Brown is a decent coach, so. I think they're just bad this year, <laughs> just straight up bad. Right, and like this is the defense is going to get better i think yeah. is the incredible thing is that we're still like this we're in year one it's not supposed to be this good yet um no so well, we're, we're we're playing so many guys like we have we talked about earlier you know there's a fair number of uh big plays that are made by backups and when was right. i mean the last few years when did that ever happen Brian right. Asamoah had a huge play. Justin Broyles had a huge play. Marquise Overton had a stack. I mean, these guys that are usually just, you know, they get they go in and just to get the ones a breather. Now they're right. actually out there making plays. Well, you so. think about you think about like that like Oboe's last season where he was just yeah. like had to give literally his entire being every game yeah. for the defense to do anything was, at all. He was on oxygen on the sidelines. Right after playing ninety snaps, um, and that's just not the case anymore. And I don't know. The defense is really good. Uh, I. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like uh, it feels good, like man. we're um, like belaboring the point, but like I just go back to even the like. Have you started like appreciating clever defensive play design yet? Because the Patrick Field sack was brilliantly drawn up. Your boy, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I haven't gotten that far because I'm still just astonished that they're competent. So right, I'm well, still, ha- the, I haven't gotten past the appreciation phase yet. Well, it was, I mean, it was incredible because like you, there was like an interior stunt, um, mm-hmm. uh, which was really effective because Neville Calmore was eating the inside of that offensive line alive all day. Right. And then through the gap that the stunt crossed, Patrick Fields comes flying in. Yeah. Yeah, and that... Well, you just hit something, actually, that 
is also should probably be recognized. Zach Shackelford is a really good center, and Neville Gallimore just abused him the whole game. Right. Um, I don't think that was recognized. And the left guard for Texas was a first-team All-ACC player in Georgia Tech last year. Like, mm-hmm. he's not bad either. So, and yeah, and Sam Cosme, even though he talks shit, is a pretty decent player. So right. Texas has some pretty good offensive linemen, and it just didn't matter. Yeah, they gave up nine sacks. They gave up nine sacks. Yeah. Which which shows even more how asinine Ian Boyd's comment was about how he's not sure there's two players in the whole game that Texas would trade Oklahoma for. Like, Creed Humphrey and Tyrese Robinson, neither of them gave up even a single QB pressure this game. And they gave up nine sacks to team. Tyrese is a... Tyrese moving back into guard. I mean, he did admirably, I guess, at right tackle, but he's a really good guard. Yeah. Like, it, it just shows you once at his natural position how much better he is. Um, and Ty, can I just say, like, Tyrese to me is a lot, I mean, not necessarily in play style, but just the way that he's always, he just seems to be really consistent inside. Uh-huh. You know, he's like almost the new Ben Powers to me. Like, I just feel really comfortable with him in there. Like I, I mm-hmm. feel like, okay, that position's not going to get beat. Yeah, that's it. That position's locked down for the next three years or whatever, uh, unless he goes pro early. And then, I mean, even Eric Swinson. Eric Swinson was the guy that we were like, oh, I don't know if he's capable. You know, if they're going to try to make the run, they're going to make. Eric Swinson had a really good day, and he's playing probably. He was lined up you know, fairly often against probably the best player on Texas's defense and Joseph Asai. I mean, and they didn't have any sacks. So, I mean, I don't know. Kudos to them. It, I, I didn't know if we'd have either of them, Eric Swinson and Adrian Ely, and having them both just was a huge boost to what uh, the offensive line was able to do. Yeah, I was. I think yeah. I was another shaky left tackle performance away from just yelling that Stacy Wilkins needs to start, and we just needed to. <laughs> yeah, just, right. Yeah, thank God Eric Swenson came through this week, though. <laughs> Eric Swenson and his one shoulder and his bad knee—he he got it done. Um, I mean, we've sort of gone into West Virginia, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, is it like? I don't. I, don't I, I think we've sort of we've sort of got into it, and that's about all there is to say. Right. I mean, this is a frustrating season of football to podcast about because uh, there's there's not that much. There's not I much mean, to say. They they have a, like three decent players. Like I think Dante Sills. If if we're going to highlight a guy, I think that's the guy on their defense at least um, mm. as a defensive lineman. His brother is pretty good too. But I think he's the guy to kind of uh, watch for. But the thing is, he's going to be most often lined up against our best players on the because of all of the interior guys on the offensive line. So yeah. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have. Um, it's kind of similar to Roderick Washington at Texas Tech. Supposedly, he's you know one of their best players. But I don't know how much an opportunity he's going to have to... Uh, you know, make an impact because I don't remember Broderick Washington's like name even being called out against Texas Tech. So, um, yeah, I, 
their tackles yeah. I think are decent. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just rambling. Right. So, I mean, I'm not worried about West Virginia. We're going to win the game. Yep. We're probably going to look really good doing it. What I will, I, I kind of want to talk about just not necessarily recruiting from a what individual players is this going to help with, but like, I'm very curious to see what the the overall reaction is from recruits. And it, oh, like early returns are it's positive because there are some guys that were just waiting for they wanted to see OU put it on the field. You know, mm-hmm. we've, they've been talking about it and we've seen them put it on the field against questionable opponents. But this was like that real performance that like, oh, yeah, this is this is a real thing. The defense is if it's not a hundred percent fixed, it's like, you know, well, well on its way, on, yeah, well, yeah, well on its way to being fixed. And you know, I think what we'll see probably, maybe not necessarily. I mean, we might see it a little bit in the twenty twenty class, but the twenty twenty one class is going to be really interesting to see how that goes from a defensive recruiting standpoint. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. there is there any concern? that Grinch is doing too well right away and we don't keep him like, I mean the max I ever thought we would keep him was probably like three years. Yeah. Is there a concern he's gone this year? And if not this year, uh, next year. So I don't think he would, I think if he has job offers this year, it would be like lower level. Like, I don't know, just for an example, not necessarily this job, but like temple, something like that. Uh, right. I is think like it's it's going to be a question of like is a coaching position going to come open that is better than being a coordinator at OU? Right. Yeah. So I think the thing is he's the job that he would probably want to leave for earliest that would come open would be next year. And the also the other thing like the scuttlebutt of job offerings is next year. And I've heard this from some national reporters. I don't. So I'm just going to throw it onto that and say that they've said this. Um, but kind of the early word is like next year is kind of like another big cycle year that 2016, I think it was with LSU and Texas. Like there's a, there's a chance of some really big jobs kind of coming open next year, maybe Florida state, Tennessee, that kind of stuff. So I think if he was going to ever leave for like a big job, he might wait till next year. I think that's more the uh, likely time. And, yeah, it's a concern, but it's the same thing we talked about with Lincoln a few years ago. It's like you want your coaches to be, you know, the hot commodity because that means they're doing well. And if they're if they leave, other coach other good coaches will want to come and take their place. So, I mean, it's just a reality we have to live in. But um, I don't I don't really foresee him leaving this year. I I just don't know if the if it like he might like does he really want to go to Pittsburgh? Like I don't know something like that. Right. How how enticing is that really? So. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I'm trying. To, like, Wazoo's not going to fire Leach. Um, no. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know what he's is probably, from the Midwest. Like, maybe next right. year Michigan State just gets fed up with you know having just woeful offenses and they decide right. to make a change. Maybe that would be a possibility. I don't know. Well, and usually maybe Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. Well, usually (laughs) areas where a team like Michigan State, where they have a woeful offense, usually they go and find an offensive. Yeah. Well, that's a great point too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like a place like Michigan State or Northwestern, um, 
those are places Kentucky, that are not gonna, maybe right yeah. those are not going to so, be places that are well Kentucky's a little different I think I could see Kentucky like being like interested in Grinch as a prospect um, so but like no job, those guys are oh go ahead the kind of job that I feel like Grinch could really probably find really attractive wouldn't be one of those big jobs that comes open necessarily mm-hmm. like next year. I mean, not that he wouldn't find him attractive. I just think he would have problems getting those jobs. But yeah, it's jobs that the guys that take the big jobs are getting. Like I could see, like let's say, you know, Matt Campbell at Iowa State goes somewhere big or goes to the NFL or something. I could see Grinch jumping on Iowa State, like that kind of yeah. job. Like I think that might be an interesting, like the stepping stone kind of job. Yeah, him taking one of those. You know, maybe he would take like an elite group of five job. Yeah, like an NC State or something like that might be a. Yeah, good. something along. I was thinking line. like a Mississippi State if Moorhead like takes another step up. You know, he'd be good at Mississippi State. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. See that. I I find that hard to to believe. But... I don't know if I'd want to go into the like the blender of the SEC West at Mississippi State, but no. right, it's true. It's yeah, it's Arkansas Especially... is probably worse, but. What, yeah, Arkansas, which, which Arkansas. Which is the least is, advantageous job in the SEC West? I think it's Arkansas. It's Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because Mississippi, at least you're like in Mississippi, and you have all that talent. You're near Tennessee. You're near Louisiana. Like you have right more talent around you. Mm-hmm. Um, Arkansas, yeah. you're you have no in-state talent. You don't have a natural tie to Texas anymore, mm-hmm. and you're just, <laughs> you're basically just yeah. fighting for like LSU's leftovers. And, right. you know, OU and A&M. And after all the big boys have gone through Texas, you get, like, the guys that you're fighting against, like, OSU and K-State. Like, <laughs> it's like that right. level, guys. Right. So, And you yeah. can't win it's, with that in the SEC yeah. West. It is impressive that Arkansas has put themselves in a position less advantageous than being 40 miles from Tuscaloosa. But here we are. Mm. Um, I hope we don't have to hypothesize about this for a long time. What no. jobs you might yeah, I think so too. Shit, um, like, I mean, I, the Lincoln Riley thing is, like, the Cowboys losing three games in a row is not insignificant. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been rooting for the Cowboys all year for one reason because I am worried <laughs> that that is the place. And, like, you keep seeing rumors that Jerry Jones, this is the guy he wants. And, see, you can just go ahead. I just, I, I, I can't see Lincoln's, you know, intelligent, and I can't see him wanting to go work for Jerry Jones. Like, I, I don't know that. I mean, maybe, but like Jerry Jones might throw like fucking ten million at him. Yeah, just like a ridiculous amount of money, and it's like. Well, I mean, if if it happens, it happens. But uh, yeah, well, I'm just talking about like, would would you be comfortable with with a guy like Grinch taking over for him? Mm. That's an interesting thought. Um, I would assume. I really party. think I would. I feel like the offensive infrastructure could stick around enough without yeah. Lincoln there. To a degree, I'm sure. Probably I like would be. Man. I I would be interested to see honestly, and this is to me one of the great mysteries of OU football, is to like learn more about what Kale Gundy does. Kale, so Kale Gundy is like the spotter guy. He's like the eyes in the sky kind of uh, offensive coordinator. He's They've talked about it like he's doing what Dana did at Texas Tech. Uh, he's basically it's like the the OC that 
they have that kind of relays all the information to the guy on the ground. Um, and it's kind of like a, I remember Lincoln talking about it. It's kind of like a, a I'm trying to think of a way to phrase it, like kind of like the grooming position or something like it's, it's oh, kind yeah. of, it's something Begin- that's kind of yeah. elevated. So I think Kale, if that, if that were to happen and Grinch was hired, I think Kale would be the natural choice to be like the, the actual play caller yeah. moving forward. But I, I assume you probably in that situation would name Beedenbow and Gundy, um, I think they technically are already. I think they are. Beatenbow <laughs> and Gunny have just been collecting titles. <laughs> yeah, like they're the co-OCs, and like Beatenbow's the run game coordinator, and right, uh, Gundy's like, the pass right. game coordinator. So how many? Yeah. How many coaches are assistant head coach? A lot, like half of them. <laughs> so I mean, right. Ruffin's assistant head coach, and yeah. Right. I also Kale. think if Kale Gundy isn't the guy, which you know he very well might not be. I think OU has established enough pedigree as the premier offensive school. Like we talked about, if Grinch leaves early, then you know it could be the spot where you know all the up-and-coming defensive guys want to go here to prove what they have. I think mm. it's so well-respected offensively that we are by far you know the number one place to get the next up-and-coming offensive coordinator just every single every two yeah. years. Quite possible. Yeah. Right. I'm the new, to do that. New Texas Tech. Yeah. Yeah. I I yeah. mean I if I were betting, I would bet, you know, Lincoln probably wouldn't leave for the Cowboys unless they were to like win a national championship this year. Um but you know, it's just something that's been on my mind and I'm like, Yeah, I think it's it. a it's a valid concern. I, I mean, that's the one job you kinda get nervous about, but I, I just I have a hard time seeing him saying, yes, I, yes, Jerry Jones, I want to work for you, and I want you to tell me what players I can use. Uh, right. I don't know. It's, yeah. I, and part of the problem is that Lincoln already makes, like, entirely more money than any of us can possibly conceptualize. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, like, the like the fact that, like, going to the NFL might mean, like, like another like, another degree of wealth is well, like hard for us to get a grip on because it feels like he has everything he could possibly want. Well, yeah, now we're getting into kind of, kind of the minutia, but I mean, the NFL, he's got a made right now in Norman. I mean, he's the guy. The NFL, it is entirely possible that he, it does not go well and he is spit out in two or three years. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that would happen, but it's possible. I mean, it happens to it pretty much to every other coach. It. It happens to most every coach that goes to the right. NFL. I mean, rare is the guy that stays for 10 years in the same spot. So right. do you, I mean, yes, he could probably get a college head coach coaching gig, like, you know, as soon as he was fired. But do you really want to, you know, risk, make that or uh, take that gamble? I, I think, I mean, I don't know. It, that's the it's kind of goes back to how much do we really know about Lincoln? And not a ton, I think. He's kind of right. guarded. But Right. What I do know, I it, it just doesn't seem like something that he would do to me. But he also grew up in West Texas in the '90s, so he probably mm-hmm. was a Cowboys fan. So right. that also is a possible. That's also something to think about. Um. Okay. Let's. I mean, I don't really. I feel like we've kind of exhausted it. You know, we've we've been going for about an hour now. That's um, true. I was. Yeah. I mean, I was about to. To give you a sense of the degree to which we exhausted, I was about to bring up 
Um, remember how excited everybody was about all those new coaching hires in the ACC like three years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was where I was going to take the, the conversation next. So we can probably leave that. Well, things are not going well for Willie. I'll just, I'll just right. say that. They got clobbered. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I really thought he would do a good job there at Florida State, and he'll get another year, I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty surprised that that hasn't worked out. Um, to be they, there is talent. They have probably a top ten roster, and they play like a top fifty team. I'm not sure what's going on, but yeah. it's bad. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. Um, do we want to talk about? I want to talk about LSU just for a minute. Because I think that's fair. Yeah. You know, yeah. OU in in a lot of ways is getting overshadowed. Like what we're doing defensively is being overshadowed by what LSU is doing offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know that's I mean they're one of the best offenses. In yeah, the country. they're really good. <laughs> right. So, you know, the first time in ever. So yeah. Um, do we think is this LSU's year to beat Alabama? Like, is that a thing that they can do? I want to talk if, about how this gives me nightmares. Because what if they do it, and Alabama is one loss, looking out on the division, looking out on the title game? Well, um, in that and, in that scenario, you better go undefeated because you're not getting any leeway. Right. Um, but like, imagine a situation: Oklahoma goes undefeated, Ohio State goes undefeated, Clemson goes undefeated, LSU goes undefeated, Alabama not, has one loss. I I don't think that's going to happen, but I'll entertain the notion. Right. Well, but yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I think. Alabama gets left out, yeah. I mean, I think it's cut and dry. You can't leave out an undefeated blue blood power five champion. It's not going to happen. Right. I guess the fact that the three that the teams are going against are Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson is what Yeah, if it was undefeated Baylor the nightmare expansion scenario. So that might that might actually be the thing that makes it a nightmare expansion scenario is Alabama being the team that gets left out. Yeah, that's a very very good very good point. I but I Every year we talk about, oh, how does, you know, all these teams, what happens if five teams go undefeated? That never happens. So, right. OU could drop a game. Ohio State could lose to Penn State. You know, Clemson could, I mean, they should have lost to North Carolina. They could lose to Pittsburgh or whatever. I don't know. There, There's possibilities. Probably two of those will actually go undefeated, but I don't, I don't know if all, I don't think, I don't foresee all of them. And to, is, to answer Alex's question, yeah, I think they could beat him, but the problem is it's in Tuscaloosa. So right, that was going to be my question. Um, that is going to be, I mean, I don't know because Alabama's defense is still really good, despite the fact that they're like yeah. starting so many freshmen. They're not um, as good, but they're still really right. Good, so but like LSU's defense is sneaky bad. It um, is. That's the thing. It it annoys me. Vandy dropped 38 on him. Why does that not get talked about? <laughs> that is going to be a really high-scoring game. Jerry Judy and Tua Tagovailoa are really good at the game of football. And so um, is like Bama's other four receivers. They have <laughs> the most ridiculous receiver core. Right. Like OU has an amazing receiver core. Bama's is better. Like right. it's amazing. I am. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm annoyed by it because I think it's obviously a good thing for everyone else. But like. Mm-hmm. I am kind of annoyed that Alabama like has all this offensive talent and is still running like, I mean, it's modernized, but it's like still pretty milk toast in terms of <laughs> offensive design. 
like yeah, just like short throws it, into space, and then yeah, they just out talent people. Yeah, just short throws into space and play action bombs is all they. It's just all they do. That's all they have to do. But still, yeah. annoying. Hey guys, quick observation: we talked about the Texas game a lot, and I don't think we ever said the name CD Lamb. Oh, yeah, I I did at one point it mention that need we kind of need to talk about CD Lamb a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, um, there's there is much to say that we didn't all see, but guys, a dude, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Um, I just can't believe there are multiple. There were multiple plays where he was surrounded by literally half of the Texas defense and then scored a touchdown. Yep, yeah. I mean two of the best touchdowns I've ever seen in that rivalry game. Yeah, yeah, that that the second one uh, where he tiptoed, uh, Lincoln called it like one of the best plays he's ever seen in person. Um, yeah, and yeah, I would, I, I can, I would agree with that. It was <laughs> the first off. I think it's hilarious just going back to like the Texas chest thumping last week of how like you know talking about just their tackling and everything, just how bad at tackling it was, but also just how strong and um, elusive CD is. It's just it was almost. Yeah. He, I mean, the tackling was bad, yes, but he was better. It wasn't just the tackling. It was a yeah. lot of just CD. And this is like, obviously this plays into the reputation of the Big 12, but like, you just look at CD's games so far this year, and it's like, mm-hmm. he is like the yak master at this point. And it's just like, it's incredible to watch. Well, and he like, did it against Bama last year, too. So it's right. not, Dude, uh, anyone that says yeah. that, I just say, go watch last year's Orange Bowl. Right. Dude, bodies, safeties. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's something to see. Um, yeah. I, sh- I just wanted to shout him out. He was pro football focus as player of the week. Um, his receiver grade. And that's the thing is like they, their grading system, which is, you know, still very unknown because it's serious and nebulous, but we like it yeah, because I know. Yeah, so but you. it's, it's very much based off of, Things you do, you know, forcing other people to miss tackles. It's not right. just based on you going up against bad competition. And, like, mm-hmm. he has a perfect passer rating when targeted this year. He's – they updated their uh, their huge NFL draft guide, and he's up to – he's number five on their big board with Jerry Judy at number three. So, like, he is the elite of the elite. He's, so, the guy's just unreal. So, question – if he continues on his current pace at the end of the year, where does he rank? And let's just cap it at the last 20 years, because I think that's all we can really talk about intelligently. But in the last 20 years, where does he rank as OU's wide receivers, like as the best wide receiver? Um, I mean, talent-wise, I honestly think he might be the best one. The other guys have the stats and you know mm-hmm. the the air rate, especially when Ryan Broyles was here. The the right. numbers are just you ungodly, got, but right. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's, like, you know, probably physically and, like, in ability, probably more talented than Ryan Broyles. Um, Like, Mark Clayton. um, Like, Malcolm Kelly was unreal while he was here, but mm -hmm. I think it was was much more product of the system kind of guy. Right. Um, And then, I mean, Didi has the only Bolitnikoff. um, Right. But that's just because Didi was a cheek. Like it almost doesn't yeah. feel fair <laughs> to bring up Didi's season because it was, it was so, a one man so, show. A lot so much of, of it was more about track than 
football. Yeah, he just ran by people. I yeah, mean, I, I, go let's, ahead, Alex. Let's, let's think back to that that D.D. Westbrook season real quick because, you know, if you remember, like, it didn't start out that way. Like, it took no, him a right. good season. Like, his first breakout game was TCU, and then he had his huge breakout game against Texas. Mm-hmm. And I just – I wonder if we're about to – see a run not necessarily quite on that level where he's just catching bomb after bomb but like if we're starting if we're going to start seeing a run with cd land that he's just going to have a like several 100 yard games in a row with a bunch of touchdowns and like that could wind up getting because right now he doesn't have the stats to be in the bulletnikov like right legitimately but i wonder if that will change because it seems like you know, we're getting to a more serious part of the season, so he's probably going to play a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, Jalen seems to be more confident with him. Like, that was the guy that Jalen was looking to go to. I mean, it's not right. a surprise. He's by far the best player. But, like, you know, it seems like it's it's more and more CD and less and less of guys like Charleston Rambo. Right. Um, I wish there was Jaden Hazelwood in Saturday's game, but... I'm yeah, they just didn't not. really play. They didn't really play freshmen outside right. of a few on defense. But on offense, right. Stoddard didn't that, play, yeah. Weiss didn't play, Bridges didn't play. So I wonder if that was. I wonder if that was informed by like the fact that everybody in the game was playing on an unsportsmanlike. Yeah, that's, I don't, I I don't think, know. I think it's a Lincoln thing that he he doesn't trust young players in this game. Like I think it's yeah. only this game, mm-hmm. but I think it's pretty obvious that like. He wants you to earn your stripes kind of before you can. He is, yeah. Like most of the time, he's not the typical, like Bob Stoops, you know, slow to play freshman. But like, you know, usually that's not Lincoln. But I think in this game, he kind of goes into that mode. Right. And you really sure. can't blame him. And honestly, you know, you look at how little, you know, really relative to, you know, the caliber of player he is, how little CD Lamb has played prior to this game. And, mm-hmm. you know, him playing essentially every snap in this game, like that's, you know, when you have half a season where you don't play that much, you can kind of get away with doing that. We probably won't see it again until late in the year. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a situation where, you know, this is the game that they geared up for. And this they were going to let let the upperclassmen, the guys that have played in the game, decide it. Well, and that's a kind of a interesting. If we were to play Texas again, you would think by that point, Jaden Hazelwood, those guys oh, yeah. would be a little bit more um, established and ready to, you know, play in that type of environment. And then at that point, all of a sudden, we have you know one of the best, most talented guys on the team is now playing. So just another weapon that Texas didn't have to play the first time. Right. Um. So we passed an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're. Okay, I can talk about beating Texas all day. So. Oh, I, I Thank God our our sponsors will be satisfied that we've got an hour of podcasting. <laughs> we we fulfilled our contract. Right. Um. I um. Yeah. There's not much more to talk about. Georgia losing. To have we really? Oh God, yeah. I mean, I I kind of touched it a little bit earlier, but. I mean, Jake Fromm threw 50 times or so in that game. Like, what the hell is going on? Why? Why? Right. Why? Why? <laughs> right, he, threw for 50, not... he threw 50 times in, like, for, like, what, less than 300 yards? Yeah, and three picks yeah. or so. It, 
to all to the same guy too by the way that's, that's like <laughs> freshman sam ellinger level right yeah what is that's that's not in georgia i don't know what was going on and they lost at home and south carolina was two and three it was and they were on their third string quarterback like it was the most bizarre game and also right. the guy that missed the kick was the was rodrigo blankenship who's the dude that nailed the 49 yarder or whatever right. in the rose bowl good riddance Oh man! Um, not so, not yeah. to rip, so that, not to effect, rip that yeah. bandaid right at the end right. of the show. But, yeah. that also, one more tidbit. Season. So, yeah, one more tidbit about that one is that South Carolina went into that with an expected win percentage of like twelve percent, and then their <laughs> post game win expectancy was eight percent. Like they, <laughs> awesome. they played worse than they should have. <laughs> still, somehow <laughs> still won. won. That's how bad Georgia was. Right. Um, God. Yeah. Just an unforgivable loss. Yeah, is that, that? I mean, outside of the outside of Purdue just destroying Ohio State last year, that's like one of the more perplexing ones of the last few years. Right. Um, you hate to see it. Yeah. Did yeah, anything else yeah, happen yeah. last weekend? Not really. Right. LSU Florida was interesting. I mean, A and M got yeah. their heads caved in, which I was happy to see. But right, uh, of course, always good. Love to see yep. it. <laughs> um, yeah, LSU Florida was about as expected. Right. I I actually did not expect Florida to be able to score that. I thought I kind of thought Florida was going to get blown out in that game. So to see them have like multiple seventy-five yard drives against LSU just kind of further right. uh, told me that LSU's defense is just not at. This yeah. is not the LSU defense of the last, you know, decade or two decades. Right. Um, yeah, right. if that was, if that was, if Kyle Trask effectively moving the ball like that wasn't the the mm-hmm. final piece of evidence that you needed to see that yeah. this LSU defense ain't it, right. like it's, that, I don't know what, a, what's going to do for you. He's got a noodle arm. He he has no velocity on his throws. I don't. Yeah, uh, he he's not right. he's not very good. Right. Um. Yeah, I think we've we've about covered the week um, prior. You know, we talked about what we could about the West Virginia game. Is there anything else happening next weekend that's, like, really important? Uh, Well, Michigan at Penn State, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a whiteout game. Look, I said important. Yeah, I I mean, that's – speaking of – I just just keep extending this – Penn State Iowa was about the most Big Ten game I've ever watched. That right. was just a ludicrously dull. Yeah. Uh, if I, I told so... you the final score was seventeen to twelve, what conference would you guess? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah. I am so tired of Penn State. Um, they have a they good have defense. Now... Their offense is uh, right. Average. They are. They have sort of. Now that Georgia has lost, they have like. Except they have like inherited the crown of like the team that I feel is entirely more talented than they have any right to be given how they play. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the only other one with possible implications is Oregon and Washington and Oregon's theoretical playoff hopes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, who cares? Yeah. That? that one's going to be probably pretty gross too. Right. Watch Jacob Eason. Mm-hmm. Right. Against the number one S and P plus defense. Who yeah, who had that weird. called coming into this season? Very strange. Yeah, really the only thing overshadowing Grinch is Oregon being number one in S&P Plus defense. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, last then, thing I want to talk about 
Mm-hmm. And I know, yeah, we keep doing this, but this weekend kind of sucks for college football. There's really no, you know, you kind of talked about it, like Michigan, Penn State, maybe the best game. Which means but, Illinois is definitely beating Wisconsin. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Please. But, <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would like to talk about the, the really impressive streak that the University of Oklahoma has going on. Uh, where we are currently scheduled for five straight 11 a.m. football games. <laughs> and I'm just – let's just keep it going. Fuck, fuck it. Well, like, I, I, I was very annoyed with OU Twitter this week. Like, why would you expect anything less? Like, you're yeah. – you're it's a very simple equation. Yeah, you're the class of the conference. You want to be on – A or they want to put you on ABC, so every household that doesn't have, like – other anything other than you know the four local channels you might get like everyone can see you play and but you're not playing good enough teams to be in the primetime seven o'clock spot so you're going to be yeah. in 11 o'clock every week on abc it's like, just, yeah it's the penalty the for being good and the, on the weeks you're on fox like you're the best game fox has so yeah you go you get to be big new saturday yeah get people have, were like uh, yeah they really want to see texas tech kansas in the primetime slot they're at six o'clock they're playing on fs1 OU's not going to yeah. play on FS1 so right. just because it's 6 o'clock. I don't actually mind like 11 a.m. kicks just as a watching experience. I just hate it for recruiting because it's a pain yeah. in the butt to get guys in uh, from a, you know, no, long flights. I prefer so. it. I prefer 11 a.m. games for road games. Yeah. Like the, Oh, the, yeah. It's like I enjoy – Yeah. I like watching games and then having the evening like just to watch other games, but – I don't like it for home games because of uh, yeah, I, you know recruiting purposes, but that's a good point. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening to this sort of rambly episode of the Oklahoma Drill. Um, we would apologize more, but we beat Texas, so we're just riding that. Um, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Um, actually, you can subscribe to it on the Apple Podcast app. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I does iTunes even exist anymore, or did they just split it into Apple Music and Apple Podcasts? It's I think, a. It's, you know, I really don't know. This new update is complete garbage. So I'm sure it exists because it still pops up on my work laptop. I just don't use it, so I think right. it's, I think it's there. Um, I, th- I think it just might be like how iPhones interface with computers now, which is stupid. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can leave a review in the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get it um, and share it with a friend so they can hear this thing you like. Uh, follow us on Twitter at purd underscore happily. That's P-U-R-D. Um, at R.W. Maxi and at not that Sam Davis. And we will talk to you next week.